0: Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast, the only show that dares to be both on-topic and sometimes on-location or on-premises. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT experts from the Gestalt IT community to discuss a single idea or premise. On today's episode, we're talking object storage as we gear up for Storage Field Day 24, and specifically the question of, uh, if object storage is so dominant in the cloud, why isn't it dominant in the data center? But before we get into that, let's meet who's on the panel today.
1: I'm Jim Saprinski. I'm a technology advocate for Zero Defect Computing Incorporated. Uh, And uh,
2: you can reach me at Twitter at JimTheYGuy. Hi, I'm Glenn Deckhazer. I am a principal architect at Equinix. And you can find me on Twitter at GDeckhazer.
3: Hello, I am Richard Kenyon. I am an infrastructure engineer at Kubrick Inc. in Buffalo, New York, and you can find
0: me at Richard Kenyon on Twitter. And as for me, I'm Stephen Foskett, uh, organizer of Tech Field Day and publisher of Gestalt IT. You can find me at S. Foskett on most social medias, and of course, you can find me on podcasts like this one with gestaltit.com. So my career in storage goes back pretty far, uh, but amazingly, Object storage in the enterprise goes back actually even longer than than I've been in storage. Uh, There were companies like Filepool and Archivist that were working on enterprise object storage a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then these companies got bought and they moved into another part of the industry that I focused on, which was litigation readiness and archiving and control of data and so, so, it's not like there aren't object stores in enterprise. In fact, uh, they predate a lot of the things that we use today in enterprise and block and file and distributed storage and so on. But they certainly aren't dominant. And then you look at the cloud and you say, well, you know if you if you're going to say cloud storage and you could only pick one synonym or one thing that comes to mind, it'd be amazon s three. I think that that's what most people would immediately jump to if you if you hear cloud storage. And of course there too, there's a million different kinds of cloud storage. That's just one particular proprietary protocol, but yet it, it is almost synonymous with cloud storage. So what happened here? Um, I don't know, Glenn, uh, you wanna start off with the, with the question, where is object in, in the enterprise?
2: Well, what happened I believe when, when cloud first started getting big, uh, back, uh, I guess, uh, how long has Amazon now been doing us it? So it was one of their first services. Uh, a lot of enterprises really wanted to get out of the data center business. They were sick of the cycles of buying hardware and uh, saw this as a way to achieve, at first, an OPEX outcome. And so a lot there was a big jump to this, and there was a need to get storage at mass two different ways. One, sheer capacity having to buy a lot of disks and run them in a data center, in your own data center, power cooling, all that stuff, challenging, um, costly. And you also had to deal with it, right, administratively. And then uh, also uh, the POSIX file system was starting to show cracks with um, just the sheer amount of data that certain use cases such as archival storage, backups, um, images, uh, things like that, um, even uh, emails stored in file systems. These things started to break the POSIX construct that was the file folders metaphor that we that we all know and love, um, and so there was a need for a massively scalable system, and so couldn't do it on prem because of the disc this the large hardware issue, and also people didn't really know much about this new object storage thing that was coming out. It was there was only a few companies that was commercially available, and so Amazon was a very comfortable place to go. I thought so. Um, that being said over time, people really started uh, creating large wells of data gravity up there um, and to the point where you know in the in the early days it was in the terabytes. Uh, now it is very far into the petabytes and in some cases exabytes of object storage that is being consumed by some customers up in public cloud. And that there's a point that I like to talk about is when data gravity turns into a data singularity. and this is what I believe will be the tipping point in why, the data center will start to see more on-prem private single or multi-tenant object stores. Some, and there are some examples today. We can go into them later.
3: I I was, I was quite impressed with the, with the history lesson there. I'm like, I lived through most of that, you know, uh, yeah, that was like wow. That was that was succinctly told. So, uh, I've since I started my career in about '95 when I set my first computer on fire. I didn't know anything about file systems until like five to seven years later because I was a kid. You know, uh, you said POSIX. I'm like, oh, I gotta dig down deep for what that is in my memory bank. So I'm the I'm the young one here. So when I first got into my real enterprise data center uh, storage arena it was in uh, about 2012 and they already had on-premise file system in their data centers and spread over uh, multi-tenant data centers across the united states and they served out email to their customers uh, mainly their cable company resellers and all of the email that uh came through zimbra lives still to this day on uh, on-premises uh object storage, whether it's through Scality or at one point uh, we had tried Hitachi's object storage data system. And it just is so much data that I could not comprehend it at the time. It was petabytes upon petabytes upon petabytes. And you're right, the power and the cooling that it required, as well as the floor space and the, the circuit uh, network uplink for it was massive. But we weren't in a position to flip over to a cloud provider because of our egress and ingress costs. It was just too much. So the money we spent on power and cooling and support and hardware and disks and all the stuff that requires all that infrastructure evened out if we would have picked it all up and dumped it up into Amazon. So it's still there, it's still on premises. It's either legacy folks who didn't jump to the cloud immediately. It could be hospitals with HIPAA data, with X-ray imaging, Tons of file archive imaging, just any medical scanner that you can think of that needs immediate resources on site within the scanning, you know, uh, medical rooms. You're going to find on-premises IT, uh, object storage.
0: So maybe it's just overlooked. I suppose that that could be the uh, the answer. That those of us in the storage industry are just so so used to fixating on file and block that we don't even consider the fact that object storage is there and is everywhere. So I don't know, Jim.
1: So, okay, I must be the uh, odd man out here because my background is traditionally as a DBA and we all know that means don't bother asking, right? But what are you guys talking about, object store? I mean, the first time I ever really heard any kind of need for this, literally remember, it was almost about 20 years ago, Guys, we need to put pictures of all of our employees on our website somewhere, and we need to store it inside the database. They have this thing called a blob, you know. So, from my perspective, when I think back to those days, right? Object store, you know, it's just another file or an image or something like that. You flash forward ten years later. Uh, at the time I was working for Atachi, I went to a, a Oracle. Storage forum, almost ten years to today, and a guy there said, "In ten years, the only place you're going to find a disk drive is in a museum, specifically spinning rust." And people like laughed and chuckled, and a few of us went, "Oh, so yeah." I think one of the things that's really accelerated this too is uh, when was the last time any of us working in a storage admin capacity has had to think about RAID? Or uh, you know, uh, replacing a physical hard drive and what the impact would be on an array. You know, number one, storage ob- ubiquitousness, Is that even a word? I'm an English major. I can make it up. Um, you know, I, it, it is there? Uh, the second thing that's interesting, you know, is I was at Oracle Cloud World last week. It's our first major event for any Oracle thing for the past three years. Uh, and one of the interesting things is Larry Ellison was going on and on and on and on about their recent purchase of Cerner. And some of the project managers were telling me things like, he talked too long, but think about Cerner, which is basically EMRs, right? All the stuff that you were talking about, Glenn, right? Everything from X-rays to uh scan, you know, brain scans, whatever it might be, some in four dimensions, right? This object store stuff is now going to become even more important, especially when you start looking at things like, huh, here's a JSON file. Here you go, kid. Here's all your data, whatever it might be, right? And JSON is basically a document, right? It's not something you can encode inside a database. So that was a bit of a ramble, but yeah, it's going to become more important than we ever could think of it.
2: Well, if you think about how you know how many files an IoT device, any IoT device <laughs> generates on a regular basis, right? There's no way you could store this over time in, in a POSIX file system, right? And so it's got to be stored into something. Um, and you know, nice thing about object, it kind of disaggregates parts of the file system, right? You get an object with a with a UUID on it, right, or a GUID on it, and then um, you know you you have to figure out how to you know make that UUID organized into some and and into some uh, into some database or some tracking system. So it's kind of on you. Um, you know, but you, you go back to like some of these, these, uh, the original on-prem use cases, the healthcare folks. Right. Um, and by the way, it's not just them, right. Originally seismic, that was, you know, seismic, uh, you know, 40 kind of stuff, the, 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 um, the scans that they do and and all the data that they get very proprietary to each company. Right. No, even countries didn't want that going, getting out. So, um, sovereignty in that context has really become a big deal. And you know my hypothesis that, that you know, and I've been talking about this with a whole bunch of other folks in the industry as well, is that had the more cloud-like, I'll say cloud-like OpEx outcomes that some of the OEMs are now starting to come to bear: Hitachi, Dell, HPE, NetApp, all those storage vendors, right? Had they had gotten religion on this earlier, perhaps ten to fifteen years ago, you know, the question is, would companies have gone to the cloud? Or would they have availed themselves of these types of options, storage as a service options, in a colo or on their own premises, right? I almost made the mistake, Stephen. Um, almost on 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 prem. So um, would they have availed themselves of that, and would that have changed the way cloud came out? Because you know, at the end of the day, you find you're finding a lot of corporations, a lot of enterprises, at least the ones that I talk to, now all of a sudden are getting about control. Before it was like, oh, let's I'm going to put it up to the cloud. But then, you know, the the data singularity effects are starting to become evident, and they're like, well, I want to move this data. I actually there was a client I had a couple of years ago had thirty petabytes in Frankfurt and S3. They wanted to go take that thirty petabytes of video data and go hand it over to a new video uh, some some service that was happened to be in Chicago, some new AI stuff that was coming around. as two years ago, and it was going to cost them a million dollars just to get it out. That's with private internet, the lower egress costs of of S3. And this, what they ended up doing was, well, that million dollars kind of turned the potential value of this project upside down. So they ended up not doing it. They ended up putting more video data in S3 in Frankfurt, which made the next time this decision point comes in even harder. That's the data singularity, right? Literally sucking in everything around that, even the stuff you don't want. That's when when I talk about that. So that, I think uh, when you couple that, with a recent article that many are familiar with, um, it, it shook the industry, and, and even um, Andy Jassy talked about it on the keynote at um, at Reinvent. Was the uh, the trillion dollar cost paradox? Morton Casado at A16Z. Um, I give him a lot of credit for putting stuff out there. It was a very hot take, um, and basically he said, uh, you know, in in his own words, I think he actually said, um, "You're crazy not to start in the cloud, but you're crazier to stay there." Uh, and when you couple that with the with the recent Basecamp announcement, you start to see there's could be there could be an inflection point in this industry where people are going to say, you know what, I got to keep my stuff under stuff I control that I can see, that I can audit, that I can touch, and even if it means I'm going to go replicate a copy up into a cloud and use it up there, or perhaps use it in place with compute hitting that storage, you know I'm going to I got to architect differently so I can maintain control of this data over time.
0: I think what we're kind of getting around here is that um, I think fundamentally a, you know, there, there's there's sort of this, this, this progression here um, that when we say object storage with reference to something like S3, we're kind of talking about a few different things at once. We're talking about uh, object storage in that it is storing uh, sort of objects in a pool with some sort of key that allows you to access it. We're talking about object storage in the sense that it includes greater and more valuable metadata about the data. And we're talking about object storage in the sense that it is application integrated and API driven. And I think all all these things are necessarily true. And so if you look back at the early uh, enterprise object stores, obviously they weren't uh, API type cloud storage, they were, Certainly, the other things, but not mm-hmm. that. Um, and if you look at some of uh, the use of cloud storage, you may find that they're not—they don't actually have much metadata. They're just sort of being, you know, a bunch of key-value data that's kind of dumped into them. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe, maybe the question is: um, Are we talking about the wrong thing? I, is there really such a thing as an object store, or should we be a little bit more specific in 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 how we're bringing this topic up?
2: I don't think so. I, I think so. So the thing about object storage, just as there's always like the old Simon Sinek, how, what, why conversation, you know, everything exists for a reason, right? So the object from a technology perspective, right, the the object storage implies that it can pretty much receive any kind of data, store it, uh, have metadata around it, protect it, replicate it around in different regions, uh, trigger on it. Right, there's services that can go around it now. Now, Amazon drove a lot of this innovation, right? SNS and all that kind of wonderful stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, it's what you do with it and 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 the business purposes that it serves. Uh, not, of course, that doesn't mean all all object store storage is going to go off cloud. It's ridiculous, right? But what what I'm seeing is that the the vast amount of data that that's created, the new data that's created today, um, from you know the big explosion of data—the the 25 exabytes that I think uh, we can't remember who made that study that says it's going to be 25 exabytes by um, per year by 2025. The vast majority it's unstructured data, and there's no place, there's no other kind of a platform to put it on. Uh, and the cloud, the cloud providers have provided the easiest way to go and 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 put it someplace. Uh, the question is, is it the best place to retrieve from? Is it the best place to to house that over a long term? And when you need to do things like scan the whole thing, by the way, you know, cloud service providers, they charge for API calls after a period of time and then stuff gets expensive. It's not just about keeping someplace on a per, per gig per month, it's using it. Um, if you're gonna go do any kind of cyber resilience checks on the whole swath of S3 data, bring your bring your pocketbook because it's it's gonna start, you know, those bills are gonna start adding up and that's not even egressing the data. So there's, there's a lot of these dynamics that are, I think, making, Companies who need to use object storage, object storage is a thing. It's going to be a thing. It's that's a given. It's just now. It's where is it going to be in the future? And and where is it? You know, there are there are, there are as a service like Wasabi and Seagate Live that are that are outside public cloud. You can make a claim they're public cloud too. They're their own, but they're very. But but are they public cloud? They're kind of outside public cloud, and they they sit in they, they have their own space. So there's that middle ground, and then there's the stuff that's privately owned and leased, and so. You're going to get that mix, but I think as more control is required by these enterprises, you're really going to see a push to that from the major OEMs that can now provide this experience to these enterprises for which they had to go to public cloud in the past. That is no longer the requirement. They don't need to go to public cloud anymore. There are choices that there weren't before. So that's why I think there might be a little bit of a change, and I'd love to hear you guys' opinion on that.
3: Well, that, that brings the question is, do you treat uh, object store data any other, any other way than you do your current data, whether it's uh, file or block, and then whether inside file or block, you have VMDKs for VMs, you have NTFS, you've got uh, the Linux file systems, are, is the overall subset of back it up, scan it, rest- test your restores, make sure you have it replicated, are all of those, um, not topologies, what is the word I'm thinking of, are all of those uh, concepts foreign to object store or are they all rolled into one? Because Amazon, you can replicate it. Amazon, you can scan it. Amazon, you can back it up. Amazon, you can restore it. But are all of those things, things that you're willing to pay for, like you had mentioned the API calls, once you get into the massive, massive uh, application and scanning side of the house, when you have you know petabytes and petabytes and petabytes of object storage up in the cloud, how are you managing that any differently than you would be on-premises? Is it any different? Do you have all your tooling set up to be in the cloud service that you have chosen or is it still all on premises and then you're paying the networking costs? A lot of different ways you can you can go about managing all that data.
1: Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point, Richard. And I think what you're hearing or what I'm hearing from folks out in the field too is, hey, I love how easy it is to go out to an AWS S3 uh, storage bucket expand it, do whatever I need to do with it, create whatever I need. The interface is beautiful. Why can't my on-premises storage look exactly the same way? Why can't it be that easy? And, you know, that kind of a,
2: well, you know, kid, it's different. You know, it's really funny. It's it's really, it's really funny, Rich, because I get a lot of uh, what I see keep, a lot of customers doing when you're dealing with cloud storage is how do I make that storage look more like the stuff I've got on prem? It's it's hilarious. It's like the other way. It's like oh, I got a great S three bucket and I got I got my entire S you know S three environment set up and I want to put a drive letter on that. I want to put files and I want to put folders and ACLs on. Them. It's like well, that's not that. <laughs> it's different. So yeah, it's just an interesting dynamic.
0: Yeah, it, it does seem you know to to the, both of those points, it does seem that. the the ubiquitous use of uh, S3 protocol specifically and object storage in the cloud generally has led us to a strange situation where uh, some people come in and say, this is how all storage should be. How come I have to futz around with LUNs and file systems and stuff on premises? And then other people kind of come to it from the exact opposite and say, man, how come this can't be more like what I want it to be? And so there's products, of mm-hmm. course, that'll go in every which way, right? I mean, you can build a beautiful S3 compatible object store on uh, on premises using something like Min.io or many, many products from uh, even the biggest storage companies. And similarly, you can do the other thing. You can have a something that looks like a NAS but is actually Amazon S3 behind it with a lot of different products as well. So, um, you know, I guess you could just sort of throw up your hands and say, well, horses for courses, whatever. But it always strikes me as kind of like you're missing the benefits by by using something as something that it's not. A- am I wrong about that? I mean, wouldn't it be better to just, you know, and I'm not a purist, but wouldn't it be better to, to, to use the right tool for the job? See, the right tool for the job is different based on who you ask, even within the same
3: team. So in my experience, it has been the uh, architecture teams, the cloud teams, the infrastructure teams that go, okay, here's what our C-level executives would like. Here's what our accounting department would like. Let's build a solution. And then when you hand that solution to the people who are going to use it, they want to use it in a way that you didn't design for it. And you either have to be with an iron fist, go, no here's how you have to use this product that we have given you as part of a consumer in our IT infrastructure stack. Or you're flexible enough and you have the roadmap and the leeway to be like, OK, we missed a few things. Let's modify what we deployed and let the developers or the consumers of the technology dictate if they want drive letters for their object store and their ACLs. So it, it's a give and take. And it really has to come from above on how you deploy the system Versus just being like, well, here's your object store. Go do what you want, because then you lose immediate control over it.
2: Yeah, I, I think you know, object itself brought so many cool things as 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 a natural motion, like immutability, right? And, you know, the, the 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 versioning that it brings. You don't, you know, you're always, oh, you're not overriding a file. You're 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 printing a new object, and the other one will either be garbage collected or kept over time, right? And and when you when you think about at scale, especially at scale, things like you know compliance, resilience, and that and and that sort of stuff, um, it, it allows you to do things that you can't easily do with with the with the standard POSIX file systems, right? When you try to do immutability in a POSIX file system, you have to have not only the file be immutable, but the metadata, you know, the the the, the file table has to be immutable as well, because you know you lose one, the other one's useless, and so. Um, with the with object i mean you still do have to have the references to those objects but the objects don't go anywhere you can go scan them again and figure out what they are very easily so um i think that from a functionality object brought with it a whole lot of scalability and functional issues that solve data problems that the original just standard posix file systems that were built when was it late 60s when it was created uh you know it was it was due uh now that, I think, drove a lot of reasons for the, a lot of companies to kind of use a back-end, like Nasunis of the world, to use back-end storage and provide a front-end POSIX. There's still some good reasons to do that. I think um, MinIO has got some amazing stuff. I mean, from the, the, the size of the code they write, the functionality is just incredible. But you know, being able to do NAS gateways and, and do go from one way to the other, they can take a POSIX file system and show an object, and they can go the other way around, too, with MinIO. Most people don't know you can do that. It does a lot more than just provide an object store. It can actually connect to NAS in the back end and do some really cool things going back and forth between the two worlds. At the end of the day, I think, though, the, you know, the question of object on-prem versus cloud is more about what companies need to do with that data and their desire about the data itself more than... You know whether they desire to own a storage device or use a cloud storage device i think it's much more about i'm a company if i've got that much data it's important to my business and i need to control that thing because i let a cloud provider or any third party hold on to that which is very important to the existence of my business am i doing my job and at the end of the day how do i know that i've got control you can't outsource your entire business to somebody else so you got to have at least a copy of it in your own in your own you know uh, premises
1: so how much of this do you think also plays into the aspect of CEOs or C-level execs and even CTOs and CIOs going i don't know where my data is right because it's not just well it's over in a database somewhere over there you know this DB2 database that no one knows the passwords to anymore uh, but also this idea of if it's on-premises, right? And uh, in, in 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 on-premises storage, and there's something malicious that happens to it, a ransomware attack, right? Does, does that play into their considerations as well? Security and vulnerability versus if it was just up in someone else's cloud?
3: Well, see, the funny thing is if you... If a CTO is asking where my data is, a absolutely valid answer is it's in AWS and that's the end of the sentence. <laughs> like, do they have different regions? Do they have different zones? Are you, you know, multi-geographic? Are you multi-continental? Like it's like how specific does that answer want to become where a perfectly viable answer is this one database we have, it's in AWS, it's replicated between two zones and it's highly available. Done. And that may satisfy him. Or you could have the on-premises database that quite literally lives in a janitorial closet sitting on a Dell 2950 that hasn't been touched in seven years that still runs until it turns off and that everybody freaks out.
2: Well, don't you think the conversation might be a little, today's conversation, especially given the the macroeconomic conditions, would be the CTO is looking at his Amazon bill and he and he's then he's getting another email yeah. from the CFO saying, um, 20%, please, cross the board. And so where am I going to find my savings? And they see what they're getting, you know, how much they're paying in storage costs on in the cloud. And they—and he at least goes to his folks and say, go give me an analysis of alternatives. What would this be if we brought this back in house? Right. Because by the way, it's almost, it's almost never just storage. Right. You're also bringing up you know, storage is the sign of one hand clapping. Right. Something's got to consume it. So those workloads that would be consuming that. Now sometimes you know you, you need that object store up in S3 because you you're using services or compute in S3 that you need to have really close to that. Now if you bring it on prem how does that change that? Do you, what do you have to bring other stuff? So this analysis of how I'm going to save costs, perhaps that what's that's what the Bandcamp guy did, right? And they kind of took a look at it now. And I'm sure th- th- that 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 particular instance has a lot of opinions out there already. But you're seeing it a little bit more and more. And I think, you know, once you start seeing two or three or four of these named, you know, accounts going this way, all of a sudden it's going to be like, oof, uh, are you going to see the great, you're going to hear the great sucking sound or not? I don't know the answer to that question.
0: I want to propose another answer to the core question that we started with, which is where's is all the object storage in the enterprise or on-premises uh, data centers. And I want to propose that it's there it's just not counted as storage because of organizational reasons
3: mm. and, and in fact financial that, reasons too like you just mentioned because if you have your storage cut up it's a separate entity it's got separate hardware separate software separate
0: support separate vendors yeah. separate contractors and separate uses it's its own little thing exactly it's not storage and i think that may actually be the answer to this question where's all the storage in enterprise tech and maybe that's also the answer why uh so many enterprise companies have been trying to sell object storage for so long and failing maybe they haven't been failing maybe they're just selling it into somebody else and it's just not called storage
3: that's the best description of object store i think i've ever heard and i've used it since
0: 2012 it's not storage <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's something else i mean so i mean if if you if you say that an oracle database is storage which i believe it is If you say that a a litigation readiness archive is storage, which I believe it is, if you say that Amazon S3 is storage, which I definitely believe it is, then it's there. But if you say, no, 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 the storage group manages LUNs and storage arrays and filers and, and that sort of thing, and the not storage group runs everything else, well, maybe that's where the object storage is.
2: Hmm. Well, I mean, from specifically to object storage, right? Obviously, an Oracle database doesn't use object storage; it uses more raw storage, and and that's actually a very good point. From an object storage, I mean, object storage—we call it object storage—and at the end of the day, everything's block. Everything is block, right? It has to sit. You know, object storage is software that sits on a computer that runs on a block storage system. So in some ways you can almost double count it you know i you wonder if idc double counts this right in their in their in their uh you know how much storages are out there right so it's like object storage gets counted as object storage but it could also get counted as block storage because it kind of is right it consumes it just as a litigation system could consume object storage so i'm not sure i count the litigation system itself unless you're unless you disaggregate the system from the software for it and the storage that it uses right so i think the storage that it uses. Right, one consumes the other, but, you know, object storage in itself, right, I think, you know, legitimately has not seen on-prem um, with exceptions like universities. Universities have a ton of it. We know that. It's been for a long time. A lot of the on-prem object has been used at universities, just as they've used GPFS and a lot of those types of, you know, luster type of file systems as well for, for that. So we know there's a ton of that out there. Uh, but in the enterprise space, no, there hasn't been that much of a need for it until I think now. Now that analytics has really taken off, now that, uh, you know, AI and ML requires those large training sets, that's what's really, I think, going to drive all this. And companies are just not going to want to keep that stuff in the cloud anymore as it becomes too expensive to do that.
1: Yeah. And when the CEO comes along and says, well, just too many, sort of like the emperor and uh, Amadeus, too many files, just cut a few here and there, right? You know, 20%, Just just get rid of that. We need to reduce costs.
0: So to sum up then, uh where is is object storage in enterprise? I think Glenn just told us. I don't know. Right. Uh, Jim, where is it? Uh
1: where do you want it to be? <laughs>
0: uh, my answer is
3: in which spreadsheet are you looking at on the financial uh accounting is is where the the on premises uh object storage is. Yeah, that that was a different paradigm
0: shift. Bravo, Stephen for for that. That was fantastic. It's not, it's not really storage, it's an accounting line. Yeah, I mean, if it's not managed by the storage group, it ain't storage, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, you're exactly right.
0: So, well, we'll see. Um, but it's 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 been a, it's a, really an interesting topic, isn't it? Because truly, I think that, uh, you know, I argued, you know, 10 years ago that everything should be object storage because it's the only kind of storage that really makes any sense. And yet here we are still provisioning block storage, even in the cloud. Um, so I, I guess that's life, right? But um, I I guess that's it. So where's the object storage? Well, it's there. Um, I think we all agree that it's there to some extent. I think we all agree that it's probably gonna be there more, Um, but at the end of the day, I think we all are realists and realize that there's probably gonna be the other kind too. So that's that. Um, (laughs) On on that sad note, um, thank you for for the discussion at least. Uh, Where can we connect with you and, and follow your thoughts and continue this conversation, Jim?
1: Definitely on Twitter at
3: JimTheYGuy.
2: You can find me on Twitter at GDeckHazer or with my full name at LinkedIn.
3: I am also on LinkedIn at my name, but my Twitter handle is also my name. So just find me at Richard Kenyon and you'll find me somehow.
0: And you can also find all of us at Storage Field Day. Uh, Just go to techfieldday.com. Uh, we'll all be part of Storage Field Day uh, this week. And um, you can you know hear these kind of conversations uh, if this is your thing. Uh, you can also see recordings of all these Field Day presentations. Just go to techfieldday.com or YouTube slash day uh, to see those. So thanks for listening to the On-Premise IT Podcast. This episode is brought to you by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. You can subscribe to this show in your favorite podcast application and while you're there, please consider leaving a rating or a nice review. You should also check out some of our other uh, podcasts there. We've got the Utilizing CXL podcast, which was just launched, as well as the weekly Gestalt IT rundown. For show notes, go to gestaltit.com podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.